This is the Five Boy Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast, now officially sponsored by the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forum. This is your one-stop shop for all the latest intel about the team, Duke recruiting, and more. If you want to vent after one of our many losses in a row, find out who's coming in next because we clearly need some help in the backcourt. Or if you just want to gloat with other Duke fans because we actually have it pretty good, come to the Duke Blue Brotherhood forums. You will find AC and I on the message boards every single day. Come chop it up with us. The link to sign up for the Duke Blue Brotherhood forum is in our social media. Uh, so come check it out. Uh, we do have a special guest, uh, Jack, from the Duke.MBB Instagram feed. Over 50,000 Duke lovers and haters alike. Jack, the last time we had you on, buddy, you know, we're all pumped up for the UNC game. It did not go as well as we'd hoped. And now, Andrew, your partner in crime, had to leave us in the dust. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Andrew, Andrew's, Andrew's, he's, uh, he's, being a student at Duke, he he's got a lot yes. of work. You know that's how it is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I I'm not at Duke, but I'm being a student myself today. At least tonight, Thursdays are my free nights. So there it is. Well, well we appreciate yeah, we we appreciate you jumping on again. Um, we got a lot to cover. AC, I want to start here. Uh, it felt like we had all kinds of momentum. We took four steps forward with the four game winning streak, and then a couple steps back. After our latest two uh, defeats. What do you see happening here with this team? Do we have any sort of uh, chance going into the game Saturday night? Oh, yeah, I think we have a chance still. I mean, it's like we played we played UNC well last time when we were really, truly a, a, still a bad team. And the, the four game stretch, I don't think that that was complete fool's goal. I think it's I think it's who we're it's our ceiling. That was our ceiling. It's what we're capable of. I don't think we're capable of much more than that. And the last two games, we've seen pretty much our floor with this group of guys that we have. So, I mean, yeah, we have a chance going into the UNC game. We absolutely do. It's just a matter of what what is this team's resolve, man? I just don't know. Because after that UVA game, we were so high. It was like, this team fights. Look at look at how we fought against a team that fights, like known for fighting. We We showed how tough we could be. And then we go and and really lose two extremely close games to two beatable teams. And it's like, damn, like, especially with your tournament life on the line, it's like, what more incentive do you need? Like at at this point, I don't know. I don't know what more incentive we need to fight. So those are two games. The guys played hard. Playing hard is not the problem. We'll talk about it, but the backcourt play our usually Duke's backcourt is what is our strength. And this year it's our weakness. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna cover all of that, but unfortunately we have to start at the top. Um Louisville Saturday night lose eighty to seventy-three in overtime. We just couldn't figure out a way to get anything going in overtime. Jack, I want you to kind of break down um what you saw in this game and you know, kind of you know, what happened in your opinion, especially with the backcourt. What I what I saw in that game, I can put it into two words, and I think you guys will agree. I saw Matthew Hurt. Like there's there's nothing else that that happened that game. Matt Hurt was the first player since 1982, since Vince Taylor, um, to score more than half of Duke's points in a game. That is absurd. It's also he's the second player since JJ to score 37 in a game or more. That's like he fouls out and also doesn't get his shots down the stretch. 
we're not gonna we're not gonna see Duke win. Like we we needed to see we needed Matt Hurt to get his touches and get his shots up because that man could not miss. Like I don't I don't think I've ever seen a guy every time he puts a shot up I expect it to fall. That's what I've seen in Matthew Hurt the last few weeks. And he's not getting his touches a lot of the time. That's been our our team's downfall. Um, at the end of the day, I think the backcourt was trying to get itself going at, um, at one point. Other guys were getting their looks. Wendell Moore has been pre- like consistently pretty good, but he's also been getting a lot of touches that I have considered questionable myself. Um, another thing I just want to bring up just really quick before we move on to you guys talking about this game. Where was Mark on the rebound? Like, I know <laughs> Kay said it himself. The rebound wouldn't have gone to Mark's side. It would have gone uh, to Matt's side. I was hoping we were going to get to this one. I know. We're going to get to it. But, like, <laughs> even if Matt's on the other side, Matt should Matt would have grabbed that board. Uh, AC, I'll kick it over to you here because I know you have a lot to say, <laughs> not only about our guard performance uh, or lack thereof, but – but let's let's start where where Jack uh, you know kind of teed you up there mm-hmm. because I know you are chopping at the bit uh, about the Mark <laughs> Williams uh, not being on on the foul line mm-hmm. uh, trying to get that rebound plus what Coach Pay had to say afterwards. Look, man, I appreciate I appreciate Kay in the media this year. I think this year his best work honestly has been in the press conferences, really. But um, no, Mark should have been in the game. There's no reason. In, in years past, Kay would have put he would have had Boozer and Casey Sanders and and Nick Horvath in the game for that rebound. Like Mark William, what Kay said about needing to have the smaller guys for the press and everything had nothing to do with that last play. And I'm sorry, like we we talk all season, we talk about what the players need to improve on and everything else. And I'm sorry, like Kay is not above that. And yeah, no, like he said the thing about don't quite like question me, like the banners and the thing. He's used that line for 15 years now. And it's fine, but the banners don't, they don't excuse bad, bad choices. And that was a bad choice. That was a bad choice. Mark should have been in the game. Yes, the ball didn't go to his side at first, but that's circumstantial. You you didn't, Kay can't predict that. He didn't predict that the ball's going to bounce to the left where Matt Hurt was. That's not, and then to say like Matt should have gotten the ball. That's like throwing Matt under the bus. It's like, oh, it's Matt Hurt's fault we lost. <laughs> like Matt, Hurt, Matt Hurt's the reason we were even in the game in the first place. So yeah, no, nah, I, I I wasn't a fan of that. I wasn't a fan of how it came off. I wasn't a fan of of not having him in the game. He should have been there. And and Mark's proved that he's a valuable asset to this team. Even in the press, he's a valuable asset on the backside of the press. And we got killed on it a couple, quite a few times actually, especially with Carly Jones doing his his best Kyrie Irving impression. So like, no, nah, I, Mark should have been in the game. So now we move on to you know what really cost us. And and Jack brought up the backcourt. We brought up the backcourt earlier. It's three for three for twenty one, and nine out of our twelve turnovers came from our, from our backcourt of Jordan Goldwire, Jeremy Roach, and, and DJ Stewart. Yeah, unacceptable. Like, and when you're trying to win to get into the tournament, that's unacceptable. It, it just is. Sorry, it, bad again. Bad choices. The they were making bad choices with the ball all night. They were trying to force things because they were trying to get going. They were trying to get going, but after a certain point, it's like. I think the moment was just too big for those guys and and it really hurt us. And one other thing that really hurt was the the disappearance once again of Jamin Brakefield. Like it yeah. just as just as inconsistent as the backcourt has been this season, Jamin has too. And when we had our four game winning streak going, it was because he was so good. And it we added basically we had a, a second or third score, whatever you want to call him. 
this game, we didn't have it. Matt was the only scorer. And and Jamin's disappearance basically got rid of our, our shot at even having a third scorer and just a couple more points from Jamin, and we win that game. You know, and it, so it's it's really, really disappointing that he only took two shots that game. So that, that, was, that was definitely a big factor. Yeah, and, you know, kind of closing this one up, you know, you look at the stat line for Wendell Moore, you would suggest that he had a pretty good game, you know, playing 38 minutes, uh, you know, having 13 points, nine rebounds, four assists, um, only two, two turnovers. But I didn't feel like he had a great game, and I thought he had a couple of really timely misses, a couple of timely, um, you know, miscues that really hurt us. Uh, and then the other thing, and, and Jack, I'll, I'll go to you on this one. Um, I've read a lot of, you know, Duke fans talking about how Coach K stopped going to Matthew Hurt uh, at the end of the game and into overtime. I don't think it's a question of they stopped going to him. I just think that this team, you know, doesn't understand how to execute. Um, and that clearly showed in this game. What did you see from your side uh, in terms of trying to get Matthew Hurt some more touches? I didn't see it. That's the thing. Like I've I've said consistently all season. Like we haven't. We've seen like Matt just get forgotten multiple times during the game. And every time that we go that like that we go multiple possessions, multiple minutes without him touching the ball on the offensive side of the floor. Suddenly, it's a game again. Even if Duke was up double digits to start, like guys are like, okay, maybe I can get going now. And Matt just gets ignored. I've seen I don't know how many times this year. He's wide open. It's it's crunch time. It's like the beginning of the half. It's like between the under sixteen and the under twelve. Like it's always the second half. It's rare that that happens in the first half. But like Matt gets most of his scoring done in the first half because guys aren't looking like guys aren't getting tunnel vision in the first half whereas we see a lot of tunnel vision a lot of like dribble handoffs with mark and any of the guys who handle the ball and matt is just sitting on the wing or in the corner or in the post with a mismatch or nobody on him and he just doesn't get the ball and i'll say one thing about that too just especially in the beginning of the overtime and the end of regulation like people brought up like the Bagley thing at the end of the Kansas game and everything else. But it, this is different. Like Matt, in my opinion, if some of those situations, Matt couldn't get open. And I feel like it was a lack of creativity on the coaching staff's part. He has three plays that they get open, get him open on. It's the high, low pick and roll, the off ball screen and slip, and then posting up down low. And all three of those things were double teamed or hedged on every single time. There was no creativity to get him the ball after that. It was like, we got to be better at being able to draw something up for him to get the ball. Cause he's such a good scorer. Yeah, that combined with the fact that he has to understand how to go get the ball, um, you know, in a situation like that, you got to be assertive. Um, not saying that he was. I mean, you can't knock him for anything that he did in that nope. game. Um, but you know, if you're the, if you're the guy, you're the only guy hitting. At some point, you're gonna have to step up and and, and just go take the ball. Um, but that was a, obviously a, a tough loss after you know we had won four straight. You know, we were on everybody's bubble at that point. You know, saying, "Hey, you know, Duke has one more win. We're we're probably you know looking pretty good here." And then you know you, you drop the one in overtime at home on on senior night. Switching gears to Tuesday night, we go to Georgia Tech on their senior night, and you're figuring there's no way in the world that Goldwire, Jeremy Roach, and DJ Stewart could lay another egg. And unfortunately, you know. Going one of ten from three and three of twenty-one in the Louisville game, they didn't fare a whole lot better 
here against Georgia Tech and Atlanta, going three of twelve uh, from deep. It just you know it was it was so tough to watch all the way around because if we're being totally honest, Jack, uh, it's our guards that let us down yet again. Oh, you're correct. You're completely correct. Like there's no there's no excuse for that game. Like we were winning most of the way and then just collapse, collapse, collapse. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but Matt got screwed by Ted Valentine. <laughs> I just want to put that out there before I do yeah. anything else. That was the those his the fouls three, four, and five were not fouls. If anything, the fourth foul was a defensive foul. The fifth one was not a foul, and the third one was a moving screen when he didn't even set a screen, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. And like, <sighs> yeah, it, that that I, one's tough, and, and it was something, Jackie, something that I had written down to, to talk about. But since you brought it up, um, I don't think I brought the referees up the entire season, uh, and I'm not saying that they were the reason that we lost this game, AC, but those were. Those two four, fouls four and five were two of the worst calls I have seen this entire year. And it's not like there was like a huge amount of fans in the, like they had 1,200 fans, which is the most they could have. But it's not like they were right on top of the court. Sometimes the referees can let the emotion get to them. But give me a break there. Come on. What am I? I, I mean, I, that was the angriest I've been officiating all season long. It was I bad. Mean, it was bad. And, and however, you have you got to adjust, and I know I know Matt. He's everything for us. He's every he's absolutely everything for us. But in in those in those moments, it would it would it would be nice to be able to sit him down with that type of foul trouble and be able to go to someone like Henry, someone like Joey, someone like Jamin to fill his void. And none of those guys could. They they just couldn't do it. So Kay had to keep him on the floor, and and that was the result. Man, like he's everything. Matt's everything, and. With Matt is how we go, and and, and beyond. And it, it was just that was one of those situations where we just and we still still that just shows that it does show the resolve that this team has and the the potential that this team has down the road of of what they can do because even with Matt out, we still had a chance in regulation and kind of a little bit for a minute there in overtime. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the problem the problem is that when Matthew Hurt picked up his fifth foul, he was only in the game for like five seconds. They literally yeah. just thrown it in and they whistled it for him. So it was kind of tough to say, you know, Matt be a little bit. He didn't do anything. No, he um, didn't. But 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 you know, I don't want to harp on the referee. It's not what right. ultimately was. It was a factor certainly because we didn't have our best player, so it oh. definitely played a role. Um, but you know, I, I kind of want to switch it back though because. Um, you know, you, you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast with, you know, with our backcourt, if, if we aren't getting anything out of them, we have to look to somewhere else. Um, earlier in the season, maybe it was Brayfield, um, but, you know, Brayfield had plenty of chances Tuesday night. He goes one of eight, 0 for four with the, with the, you know, with the last look in regulation. Let me switch it to you, Jack, real quick. What did you think of the play that was drawn off with six seconds left? And to you know, give Brightfield a wide open three in the corner. I mean, Joey was obviously a decoy on that play. I, I know that much, but like, why why couldn't anyone else have been the decoy? Obviously, like, yeah, Joey had a hot hand, so GT's going to focus on him. But he was hitting contested shots. 
he is a shooter when he's on, which admittedly this season has not been as often as I had hoped. I love Joey Baker. Um, but he was on after Matt fouled out and he came in. He he was hitting he hit those clutch he hit that clutch three and then he got the three free throws. Um I think that the play should have been drawn up for him. It kind of brings me back to um a little bit to that game against St. John's in 2018 when Grayson, the last play of the game was drawn up for Grayson. We lost because he missed the shot, but Trent was the one with the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Trent was a decoy on that last play. Grayson didn't hit the shot. He hadn't been hitting the shots all night. You're going to go to a guy who's one for eight, or are you going to go for to a guy who literally just took you back into the game? Yeah, uh, it's a fair it's a fair question. You know, I'd, I'd rebuttal slightly, and AC, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, you know, Florida State, you know, Zion's out, RJ's the decoy, we go to Cam Reddish, and he hits the dagger. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what was your overall feeling on, on that last play during the break? I thought the last play was set up perfectly for the uh, for the Clemson play if we wanted to run it. The, the John Shire to Dave McClure, because the way the floor was spread and the way we had the half court running downhill – with a tie game, I thought that was a perfect opportunity for that, especially with Mark Williams in the game. Easy pass down the middle. They they had they had the three point line scouted. Like that was that was yeah. like this all season, all season. All we've done is is try to drive and kick out to three. Like we talked about it after the UNC game at nauseum about Wendell with with that you know that that really brain neutral play of him going all the way to the basket and then having an open layup and then falling to the floor and throwing it away. It was the same thing here, man. It was like, yeah, he, we got an open shot. Sure. Not even open, really. I mean, he had two guys on him, but we had, we got a shot at the basket or whatever. But yeah. either way, the, the rim was open in a tie game. I don't know why we have to go for three for everything. Like, not everybody is the Golden State Warriors, man. Like, <laughs> I, I love the direction that basketball is taking right now. But when I see teams that are clearly, like, clearly this team is much more efficient from two outside of Matt Hurt. And we still do not hunt the two-point shot. And and we continue to lose games by single digits, under five points for most of our games. And and we won't, we really truly won't go after the two-point shot. Are you kidding me? Especially when we have an open one. Come on, man. It kills me. It kills me. And that's why when we talk about is it on the players or is it on the coaches and such, like hard discussion to have and everything. But that that is something I, I just I don't know why that if when maybe it is being empowered and it's not being executed, but we're a two-point team, and and we're playing like a three-point team, and it doesn't work. Yeah, outside of Matthew Hurt, nobody should be taking threes uh, until you can prove that you can make them. I mean, Matthew Hurt, o- open three or can, whatever, you, fine. But like, yeah, Matthew Hurt, don't, can, don't yeah, Matt, yeah, Matthew Hurt, you can you know take any shot you want. If you have seven guys on you, I don't care. You've proven that you can make it. Um, you know, one thing I want to touch on real quick though is the very last uh, plays in the first half. Uh, Wendell Moore made a great drive, kicks it to what looks like a pretty open Jamin Brayfield at the rim, fumbles it. So instead of moving it to an eight-point lead, Georgia Tech comes down, hits a three, and now we're only on three going into the half. They have a lot of momentum. And then in the second half, Jack, to me, it just felt like, you know, before the four-game winning streak, Duke, where we're having turnovers that uh, are mostly cost by ourselves. Uh, we are taking terrible shots. We are driving with our head down with absolutely no destination in mind. Um, it just looked sloppy. It was ugly to watch. It was frustrating. Credit to them for keeping the effort and the energy to, to fight back. But that was some of the hardest 20 minutes of basketball I've had to watch all year. 
I mean, one thing that I really noticed, like, I didn't think either team until late in the second half played with any type of passion or motivation. Yep. They were just kind of out there. Yeah, Mo- Moses Wright. Yeah. Moses Wright really was the only one who brought energy for either side. And that was truthfully like the end of the first half and beginning of the second half. That those are the, those are especially the times when you need somebody energetic. And you know, it can't just be the end of the game all the time. And that like I, I wish that Joey Baker did what he did in the beginning of the second half because I think it would have been a different outcome. It, it totally. I think I think it could have been. I think there's there's a lot of things that could have gone a different way. I think it was a winnable game. It shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have gone to overtime. That's that's my view at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and unfortunately, it kind of wasted another pretty solid performance of two guys, Mark Williams and Wendell Moore. Um, you know, the thing with Wendell Moore to me is he is excellent when he is the third, fourth, fifth option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he's called on, like you know, when Matthew Hurt got you know fouled out. Um, you know, he kind of reverted back a little bit where he, he can't he can't be the go-to guy. It's just not his look. But overall, you know, him and uh, Mark Williams, uh, I actually thought played pretty well. And, and AC, real quick before we close this one out, uh, your thoughts on the Mark Williams free throw situation? I mean, what else can I say other than outside, there's a lot of factors that cause you to lose a game. But when you lose a game where you go into overtime, where every bucket in regulation counts, it's hard not to look at going, what was he, like one for one for five or something like that in the uh, in, in, in the regulation uh, from the free throw line. It, yeah. It's hard to say that that, it's hard to say it didn't cost us because one more free throw and we win the game. You know, RJ Barrett gets so much crap for missing free throws in games that we won yeah, you know, nobody says anything about Mark's performance at the free throw line. Like, yeah, I mean, if we're relying on Mark Williams to hit free throws to win games, that's a problem, right? That's a problem. However, if he's in that situation as a college player, he's going to look back at that game himself and say, man, I should have hit some free throws. And he's probably in the gym shooting free throws right now because he feels bad about it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that sucks. That sucks when you do that. Bottom line, man. Yeah, I hope he is in the gym uh, shooting free throws. Um, look, I wasn't a guy that was all over R.J. Barrett. Um, you know, certainly he isn't the reason that we lost those games, uh, but it did it did play a role. Uh, and certainly uh, Mark Williams missing those played a role. But moving on to our third topic of the evening, and this is painful, Jack. This one's painful. Um, you know, if we start talking about the reason we, the real reason that we lost those two games, you know, we can talk about free throws, officiating, uh, effort, Matthew Hurt, whatever. But when your backcourt goes 8 of 38, 21%, and 4 of 22, 18%, in two games that you go to overtime, to me, it doesn't go anywhere other than the backcourt. College basketball is a guard game, and our three guards did not bring it for either one of them. Jack, talk me off the ledge here. I mean, you're right. Guard that college basketball is a game that's much more oriented to the little guy than um, the than the professional game. We've seen like Duke has been much more front court oriented this year with that like all year with all the different guys that we've seen. But what I've seen is DJ since the UVA game really has been kind of hesitant on his shot, and like you've seen the shots he's hit, he's hit no like no second thoughts. He's catching, he's shooting. 
or like he's going up for a drive, taking a floater and like, he's not second guessing himself, but everything he's missing, he's like kind of got a little hitch. Like he's stopping and thinking, should I take this or should I not? Um, and that's kind of throwing off his shot and it's not falling. Like when he's confident, he's one of the best players in the ACC. And I like, give me all the flack you want for saying that. I think it's true. He's leads all freshmen in scoring with the Jeremy. He's, he's not driving and, you guys, I mean, I know AC, you, you saw him play a lot in high school. That's his game. Mm-hmm. There's more space now that we don't have three, like, power forwards or centers on the floor all the time. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's got the space to go in and drive, and he's not doing that. He's settling for jumpers. I, the kid I'm seeing right now, I don't recognize. He looks so tentative, and I don't it, – the moment is just – it's huge for him. Like, and, and this is what – this is what we kind of talked about at the beginning of the season when they said that he wasn't grasping the offense and he wasn't used to it. You know, PVI played his own offense. He's playing a motion offense now. So there's, there's a learning curve. So yeah, freshman wall, we, you know, it, it's interesting to say, is it freshman wall? Because, you know, we're already in the March. However, you know, we're, we're only 21 games, only 21 games, but only 21 games into the season, 21 games into a normal season is that January, February time when you actually do see the freshman wall happen. So is it the number of games? Is it the time of year? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's, that's tough to say. So again, the same story for this season, for these young freshmen, no preseason, no off season, no early season, gimme games to, to kind of hone your craft and, and find something that you can, can rely on. And, and we see it like Jeremy hasn't, he hasn't had one thing that he can rely on this season. Whereas in the past for him as a high school player, he could rely on being able to drive. You, you see how he spins the ball off the backboard. He's such a great finisher. He could, he could rely on his shot at times. He could rely on distribution at times. This year, he hasn't been able to rely on any of those three things, and he definitely hasn't been able to rely on his defense, which is something he's – that was one of his things, is his defending the ball. So, you know, I mean, it's it, it's a true freshman season out of him. So a lot of learning to happen, a lot of work in the weight room next year, and and I think we'll see – I, I don't think. I know we'll see a different player next year with him. He'll have more weapons. He'll have more space, and it'll be a better season for him. So we'll we'll look back at this and say this was his learning curve. DJ Stewart looks like a high school player to me right now. He can't hit the standstill three. That was something we talked about before coming into the season. Would that be something he's able to do? Because all of his shots in high school, most of them, came off the dribble. And in college now, him off the dribble, he's very efficient off the dribble with his shots, with his shot making, the floaters in the lane, all those things. But the standstill three man is his that's his downfall this season he can't do it and again man the the lack of a lack of practice time and getting at up to game speed but now we have 20 games in and you would think a shooter of his caliber would be able to do that but it's just those moments man they're huge so going into next season would love to see him be able to improve that part of his game because that's necessary for him to go pro and for him to do all the other things that's necessary and you know for those who are like we're gonna lose him next year he's not going pro y'all like stop Stop arguing with me on Twitter about him going pro because he ain't going. Because, like, no, like, it's not happening yet, man. He, he can make more money because he can make himself more valuable, and, and he's got more work to do. So, yeah, it's just, our backcourt this year is our, it's our weakness. It's inconsistent. It's good at times, and it's really bad at times. And that's the backcourt is how, like, how a team, they either fly with the backcourt or they fall in college basketball. Yeah, and we've talked about all year, um, you know, DJ Stewart, to me, seems very similar to a freshman Luke Kennard, where one game he's got 20, the next game he's got zero. Uh, that's just kind of the player he's been, and we knew that Roach would be inconsistent. But, Jack, you know, I've been reading a lot over the last couple of days. Um, 
should we go out and get a uh, grad transfer uh, point guard? Should we, you know, look at uh, bringing in another shooting guard? Now people are begging even harder for uh, Trevor Keels to come in. Is it desperation? Do you still have faith with a full off season, uh, with the experiences that these two have had, that we are going to be in good shape next year with these two leading the charge? I think regardless of what happens, I mean, we, we've seen freshman, sophomore leaps. Like you, you guys just, you just said like DJ reminds you of like a freshman Luke. Luke was out of his mind, his sophomore year. That's a pretty great thing to see. Uh, that sophomore leap, Matthew hurt dude. Couldn't stay in the game a lot. Like he has scored less than 10 points. Once this season, he scored less than 10 points, something like seven or eight times last season he's getting like he's getting his consistent minutes that's a leap that's a huge leap we've seen it with him we've seen it with luke we've seen it like this is gonna sound crazy jay williams had a crazy sophomore leap Mm -hmm. and jay williams was amazing as a freshman he absolutely was and and one of his things one of his things as a freshman was very similar to what we're seeing with jeremy just not comparing it to but just saying nothing he did stood out like he didn't have any standout things his freshman year and then and then all of a sudden, sophomore year, he had he had some you know standout he had standout skills like he could drive to the basket on anybody, nobody could stop him. And he started hitting the three, he turned the ball over less, he he led the team in, in assists, like all those things. Like, not saying Jeremy's gonna do all of those things, but Jeremy will find a skill set next year to help that team win games. Again, the team's better next season. Like, there's more talent coming in. There's more help coming in and guys are getting older. So the talent we have is only going to get better. It can, it can only get better. Like it can't get worse. I can't imagine it gets worse. So all those things in mind, you have a point guard who's capable, fully capable. Absolutely. Where there's, there's no reason to think we need to go hunt for some, some other player out. Trevor would be nice. It would be nice to have Trevor. He and Jeremy have a bond. Trevor's a two year player more than likely. So that's somebody you're bringing in who, who's going to help your program for a little bit there. And not to mention, he's he's a he's a really good player who has a really good attitude on the court. He's an asshole on the court, and I love it about him. And it's something that we don't have this year, and we'll definitely need it next year. Well, it's good to, to know that we have a little bit of optimism. That's why. Because now we talk about North Carolina. We got to go eight miles down the road. Another team, first of all, everyone wants to shit on Duke. <laughs> Rightfully so. We're 11 and 10. We're 9 and 8. Uh, but let's be honest here, it's not like they're tearing up the world either. You know what I mean? They got nine mm-hmm. losses. They're 15-9, and nine and they had, the, they had a bunch of cupcakes in there. So if we went out and scheduled our cupcakes, we'd have a pretty similar record to them. We'd be 14-10, and 10, you know, so it's really much different. Probably not. Um, Jack, I'll start with you. Uh, the last game that we watched of these two teams I thought was arguably the worst game I've ever watched in collegiate basketball one alone in North Carolina Duke game. It looked like it was an eighth grade scrimmage out there. It was horrible. Are we going to see, with fans in the building, are we going to see at least better basketball between these two that both, let's face it, need to win in the worst way? Oh, I hope we see something better. That that my my high school team was more consistent than, than that game, <laughs> that last game. But uh, before I say anything else, I just wanted to, do a quick shout out to to Wojo. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah. you got the Carolina trying to schedule a cupcake and then lost to the man who started slapping the floor. Love it. 
You'll love to see it. Uh, I was laughing so much when I saw that box. Uh, okay, back to back to the um, back to the actual topic at hand. I, I think that Carolina, we've seen it in the last couple games at Syracuse and Florida State. Following that game against Marquette, this is a team that can and will like fight back into a game and like they will force you to allow them to compete and make it a game. Um also Caleb Love, this guy scored 25. I mean, TK, you say you had the numbers. How many has he scored total since that game? Yeah, well, I appreciate you giving me the assist here because that's not something that he does. I mean, that's probably the only thing he does decent. But let me just tell you what he did. Everybody remembers what he did against Duke when he went four or five from three, 80% for those math majors at home, nine of 16 from the field. In the six games after that, he was three of 22 from, from three, that's 13.6%, and 14 of 54 from the field, which is 26%. We're rounding up there. And by the way, the two games before Duke, he was two of 11 from three and five of 20. So... I mean, give me a break. And the worst part about this is, is that I have UNC fans telling me that coming into the, the first two game that, oh, Caleb Love is, uh, Caleb Love is, is trending. He's trending right now. I'm like, trending? Look at these numbers. He's 2 of 11 and 5 of 20. And then, of course, he goes off. He goes off for 4 or 5 of 9 and 16. Let me tell you something right now. Get every electrical appliance away from me if he does something like, like that again. Because I'll be, I will be taking a bath with every electrical blind I have in my place. Nah, oh just gosh. go ahead and put your life savings up on, on Bovada.com for the for the prop bets for Caleb Love shooting up, shooting, uh, scoring a, a 30 spot because that's, that's what's about to happen, bro. You know it's oh, about to happen. Oh, you know it's coming. What did he tell Jeremy Roach? What did he tell Jeremy Roach on Twitter? You, you think you're a savage until you run into one. The savage is yeah, coming, bro. I mean, you got to remember, Caleb grew up a Duke fan, and yeah, he, he wanted, wanted to go to Duke. Man. Jeremy just committed first. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're a savage until you run into one. So here comes the savage. He's back. End of the day, Duke. Duke's issue that game was not offense. 87, 88. It was 87 points. Mm-hmm. Offense was not the issue. Defense was the issue. Defense has improved vastly since that game. Um, depending on what Capel does, we might see them again on like Wednesday. So this is a big, this is a big game, a big weekend for Duke. Um, This is the squad's got something to prove against these guys, obviously, especially after last year with uh, the game at the Dean Dome. That was, that was something else, obviously a game that will never be forgotten, Mm -hmm. but this, this squad has something to prove coming back into the Dean Dome for the first time since that. Yeah. I mean, Trey Jones, he's walking through that door, Um, but you know, AC, you know, Matthew Hurd, he only played 21 minutes in that game before fouling out. Mm-hmm. He only had seven points. He only took six shots. Um, he has to become a factor in this one. Obviously, you know, the one advantage Carolina has is that they can throw body after body on him. Um, but the, you have to imagine that he's going to be a bigger factor in this one or we're going to get run out of the gym. Oh yeah, no, he's got to be, and 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 now we have Mark Williams firmly in the lineup. So it's 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 a the front court stalemate right now. We have the front court stalemate. Like they're gonna get their points from Garrison Brooks. Who knows what Walker Kessler? He's probably not gonna do anything. Like you know, he has one good game. Everybody freaked out. You know, Cotton Candy Baby Soft Baycott. You know, he's gonna do his thing, <laughs> Mister Softy. <laughs> Mister Softy, baby. <laughs> Mister Softy. 
you know, he's 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 gonna do his his get get a couple layups and flex, but then he's gonna he's gonna shrink back into the corner after that. So, you know, it, it's really like whose backcourt can win this game? That's that's the big thing here. Whose backcourt can win it? And can Jamin Brakefield be the X factor? Like we don't we don't have a, we don't have a true second or third score. We have a first score in Matt Hurt. We don't have a true second or third score. So somebody on the team is gonna find some points somewhere. And and can Jamin be that dude to to help put us over the hump? It's gonna be another close game. We're gonna need big points, and you saw him get them for us against UVA, a really good defensive team. We're playing a really bad defensive team. Can he find his way in this one? He didn't get a shot the last time against UNC, so you know now he's got his chance. He's playing. He's getting minutes. So can he kind of put his his mark on this game, on this rivalry? I'd love to see it because if he does. It's a win for us, and it puts us in that ACC tournament with some semblance of momentum. Yeah, and, you know, Jackie talked about it. Our defense was pitiful, but you can't expect, I hope to God, you can't expect UNC to go 10 or 15 from three, uh, you know, and shoot 67%. It's just, it can't happen again. But the other thing really was is we didn't get to the line at all. Um, You know, we took 25 threes. We only took seven foul shots to their 22 attempts. So something's going to give there as well. We're probably going to get out-rebounded, understood. But we have got to limit the turnovers, and we have got to find ways to help Matthew Hurt get open shots. What do you see Duke doing offensively to get him going and hopefully somebody else steps up? I see Garrison Brooks getting cooked. That's really end of the day. I see... I see the perimeter game is going to be obviously. I mean, yeah, Duke shot a lot of threes that shouldn't have been shot last game. I see the perimeter game, even if it's two, even if it's like a post up fade, like a Dirk Nowitzki type thing, a mid range. I see a lot of that. I see a lot of Wendell Moore driving and just kind of playing within himself, which I think is he plays amazingly well when he does that. He gets like close to 20 every time he doesn't decide he wants to play like James Harden. Um, I think basically it's just it's attack the mindset we gotta have. We gotta have uh, coach to given them is attack any weakness you see because this is I'm gonna say this is probably like the most evenly matched we're gonna see Duke and Carolina like this game over the last couple seasons, like since Zion and uh Kobe White, which I hate to call that evenly matched, but <laughs> that was two top five teams. Yeah. Like now we got this is probably the closest to evenly matched we're going to see since that ACC tournament game. Uh, and we have to see Duke take advantage of Garrison Brooks on the perimeter with Hurt now, which was less of a factor with Jalen Johnson in there last time. We have offensively, I think Jamin Brakefield might be an X factor depending on Roy. I legitimately think Roy is going to try to put Walker Kessler on Jamin because of like a size mismatch. I don't know how that's going to go on offense or defense, but I would love to see it because I think Jamin's got a little bit of a, a step on him um, with foot speed. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good call. Um, you know, you're trying to look for kind of those matchups where you might have some sort of advantage. You know, talk about Kessler versus Brakefield. I would think that both strength-wise, quickness-wise, um, that – that Brave would have a little bit of an advantage there. And let's be honest here, he's due for a good game. He is, oh, yeah, and I would is. love to see him stop passing up the mid-range shot because the last couple games he's been passing that shot up and it, and it's led to turnovers every time. And it, it's really maddening to see someone who could be such 
such a big factor for us be so tentative in those situations. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's true, though, Jack, and I'll give you the last word on this before we make our predictions. Um, but, you know, how big is it for us to go off and get a good start? Because, you know, Roy is going to throw one of the 37 bench seniors uh, to start the game uh, with Jonathan Brooks, I guess. Um, <laughs> your, your boy, Andrew Playtech, um, will be out there as well. Um <laughs> uh, and if he if he starts making threes like he did last year at at the Dean Dome, like I'm just gonna puke. So, um, you know, what do you see in terms of Duke getting off to a good start? A lot of times it doesn't happen, but this year has been crazy. So, do you see it happening for us? I hope it happens. Certainly, I think as long as Duke can avoid a whistle on either side of the ball for until like the first TV timeout. I think there's a legitimate shot because if if Roy's putting in the walk on like the walk on senior, I don't even know. Is uh what's his name? Is Kenny Smith's kid or Bob McAdoo's kid a senior yet? I would love to have them in the lineup for five minutes. I would love to see that because oh my goodness. Like last year Duke Duke had uh Duke had J Rob as the senior walk on, but J Rob was an incredible factor in that game. Roy does not have a player of that caliber as a walk-on or as a senior. Playtech is going to do what he always does and make me want to punch my TV because he looks like someone that you just don't like, you wouldn't like to meet because they are that annoying. <laughs> and he also only seems to play well at the Dean Dome against Duke. So like, I just hope he's a non-factor. That's that's. I literally have that written in my notes. I swear, Playtech has to be a non-factor. That's. I have that written down. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, that's gonna be. I actually think Playtech might be the key to the game. If if uh, oh, if he goes yeah. off, I hope not. I hope. I hope to God I am wrong. But if Playtech goes off, then uh, you know. Hey, what's yeah. uh, I, I mean, well, maybe for- not. Trey Jones might walk through the door or into <laughs> Jeremy Roach's body. Who knows? Yeah. We, we um, need, we need to control this game defensively. Like bottom line, totally. like it's gotta be early on. It's gotta be defense. We Kerwin Walton for them is such a, he's such a motivator. Cause he just, he makes shots and he's a shot maker. That dude is a shot maker. We saw it against the game against us. That's, that's gotta be our defensive focus. Let, let oh, Caleb totally. love try to shoot for 35. Let, let him try. Like, please like Kerwin Walton is the one that they all feed off of. So if we can if we can do some work and and those secondary guys that they're gonna put at us playtech like you're talking about Kerwin Walton if we can just make sure Leaky Black doesn't get his normal production like he does against Duke then we can survive a Caleb Love huge game if that happens to happen and if it doesn't happen even better for us because we win by twenty in that point so you know the, the the front courts are gonna stalemate they are going to stalemate just like they did last game but the the back court we we got to control it on the defensive side. Yeah, we had two oh. terrible games in a row, uh, obviously in the backcourt, and you would have to think that we're due. But Jack, I know you want to jump in there. Please, please, just don't give me anything more about Playtech. I, I gotta, I gotta. I promise back. you, I won't. I, I can't, I can't, I can't think about him anymore. I just wanted to like finish off with. I, I did want to talk about Walton a little bit because that's their only guy who shoots above like average from three. That's someone you really gotta lock in on. He's my biggest concern personally. Um. Also, Henry Coleman, we, you guys talking about the importance of controlling defense. Henry was a big energy guy on the defensive end for Duke last time uh, we played Carolina. 
you think like how much playing time you think K is going to give him this game? I think he'll play. I think he'll get time because because of their front court. Their front court is they have so many options at the front court. Matt Hurt fouls out consistently, especially when they have someone who he's got a guard down low. So we, we're going to need to give like Matt Matt Hurt getting over thirty minutes in this game, thirty five minutes I should say. Matt Hurt getting more than thirty five minutes in this game he'll probably foul out quite honestly, because they just, they have so many options down low. So we're going to like Henry got 12 minutes last time. We're going to need those 12 out of him. Mark only got 15 because Jalen Johnson was there. He held down 24 minutes. Mark's obviously going to get more time. Mark's going to be at that 30 mark more than likely. So Henry Coleman subbing in for Mark and for, for Matt, it's going to be big as is Jamin Brakefield who only got five minutes last game. So Jamin getting into this game is also going to give us well, the, that front again, front court's going to stalemate. Like we have, we have a very similar rotation as they do and we're yeah. capable. We're absolutely capable of, of stalemating their front court. It's that, that back court we have to control. And, and Curran Walton, Curran Walton's a big factor. He and Leaky Black, Black both are big factors this game. Yeah. Curran Walton. I mean, he shoots 41% from three. He plays only 20 minutes a game for them, so you got a fat boy for that. But he shoots 44% from the field. He's got eight points a game. Uh, he's a guy uh, that that is automatic. If we get if the game gets close at the end, he's automatic from the line at uh, 93%. So he's a guy that absolutely can play uh, a huge role. And and like AC said, uh, you know, four on four is going to be a stalemate uh, in the front court. So which backcourt? It's a it's a backcourt game in college basketball. Which one's going to step up? And let's get right to it. Let's get to those predictions. Next play. Uh, Jack, I'll go to you first. Who wins this game? And what's the score? 87-83 Duke. I think the defense is actually going to exist this time. I think Caleb is going to turn into a black hole in crunch time. Like I said earlier, I'm not going to say his name, but that white boy is going to be a non-factor like he normally is. Um, R.J. Davis's father called me out on Twitter because I said that R.J. Davis sucked because he was over 12, and I am going to see Duke avenge that R.J. Davis calling Duke garbage to my face on Twitter and maybe call him out again for that because – that was so funny. Let me tell oh, you. That's I'm awesome. looking at my mentions. RJ Davis sucks. Response. So does Duke. But no, I'm going <laughs> to just wait for that response again when RJ Davis and Caleb Love turn in turn it into a game of chucking up hero ball late. Duke's going to clamp down. Jay Gold is going to get like 4,000 steals. Duke is going to have a very similar offensive output to the last time that they played. And I think all in all, I mean, both teams are different from last time they, they played. Like, players are playing different levels of basketball. But I think Duke is – at the end of the day, Love and Davis both are still, like, putting up more shots than points, and I think that's going to be a factor. It's going to be close. Yeah. Duke will come out. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I just realized that we basically have a, a starting five of the people that we despise the most. Uh, if you combine <laughs> – the three of us uh for for jack it is uh andrew playtap caleb love and rj davis obviously for me uh caleb love is the guy that i just can't stand um but then we know the guy that hates more than anybody any of any of the three of us combined is how much ac hates armando charman slot <laughs> dude i wish i could get into a tw- i wish i could get into a twitter war with him and his family jesus uh <laughs> 
You just gotta tweet not... negative things about him. I mean, it's worth the last couple characters. Like, oh, Anthony. Didn't we, didn't we talk about this on our last podcast? I'm almost positive we did, where we want to do this. Okay. Uh, look, that's true. He is soft. Okay, AC, tell us how many points uh, Charmin Soft is gonna have, and what's the score of this game? He'll probably get like 12 because that's what he does, man. He, he finds the ball. The ball falls off the rim. He grabs it somehow and he throws it back up at the rim and he flexes with his stupid hair. And then he goes back <laughs> to the bench because he sucks. And then we start getting the lead. And then he looks all like, oh, well, we're going to lose. And I, 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 I thought we were going to lose after Trey Jones hit this. You know, that dumb shit. Come on, dude. He's soft. Soft. But, he, you know, whatever. Stalemate in the front court. <laughs> Stalemate in the front court. Look, it's the backcourt. And I don't. I don't want to see us chucking threes, but if we if if we can get a good shot from three, then we got to take it. And that's kind of been our recipe in the past for beating Roy Williams because his teams are historically bad at defending the three. And if we can find a way to get good three-point shots, then it's I'm cool with us taking them because it's going to be difficult for us, for our finishes. We don't have good finishes at the rim. We just don't. So we got to find those buckets somehow. So if we can find good three-point shots this game and they drop, then we win the game. And and we win it we win it somewhere around like 80, 84 to 77. But if we don't, if we don't, then it's a loss. Like it's a loss for us because that's our, our ceiling and our floor are almost the same. And we are literally a team who's a difference of two or three three-point shots a game. And that's that's really what it comes down to. Well. You know, you guys, you've hit on every single point. And, uh, you know, before I make my prediction, I want to ask all of our fans out there to um, certainly give us uh, five stars. Uh, give us a like on Twitter, on Instagram, certainly on uh, iTunes or wherever you watch or listen to your uh, favorite podcast. Uh, it really helps us out. Leave a comment because I'd rather have you do that now before I give my prediction for this game, uh, uh, which is I don't uh, find, I just can't see a way to do bounces back after two straight losses. I think that they're defeated. Um, I think they regressed back to who they were before the four-game winning streak. Uh, I just think that we're going to have too many unforced turnovers. We will keep fighting to the very end, but I think it's going to be very similar to AC score, but in reverse. Uh, I think Carolina wins this one, 83-77. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to take two straight L's to the Tar Heels. (laughs) Uh, and they stink, so uh, that sucks. But maybe, like the rest of the season, I've been wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong again. Maybe that's what I'm doing. You're welcome. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Go to, yeah, go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Let's go do it. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram, 5 Point Play Podcast. Let's code Duke.